Alexander Beta. Good morning if you've just woken up. Happy Good Friday to you. So we played you Normally Zode by Victor Ndoni. And uh, before that was Umlilo Wesatu by Bongiziwe Mabanda. All right, so let's talk now, uh, keeping things in the entertainment vibe of it, of things. Uh, just uh, talking to Neil Gonsalves now, who is a South African jazz world beat pianist, composer, band leader, and educator. His music takes its influence from the rich diversity of cultural life that characterizes his homeland on the east coast of Africa. His uh, album Blessings and Blues, his uh, third release, explores the spirit of Africa and Neil's personal reflection on life when he turned 50. The album features Neil on piano, Ido Nanja on bass, and Riley Jandari on uh, drums. He says social distance is a genuine opportunity to recenter, refocus, rejuvenate, repent, remember, and to return to ourselves. This album is improvised music uh, of the journey within the yearning to reconnect. Please, uh, uh, we'll give it a, a spin in a bit and, and uh, let's reunite in music, he says, as well. So we'll play a bit of that so you can hear uh, the sounds of Neil Gonsalves. Good morning to you, Neil. Thank you for making time. Oh, good morning, Asanda. Thanks for that introduction. Oh, I mean, it's amazing what you say as well. I mean, the, the, just that topic of recentering and rejuvenating and remembering and returning to ourselves. I guess that's also in the spirit of this uh, long weekend and Easter weekend we are in. You made this or, uh, this album during uh, COVID times. It was released before uh, uh, the whole pandemic became, you know, in, in its full force. Just take us through the inspiration uh, one more. Yeah, actually, the album was recorded before the pandemic. Uh, so it was recorded in December 2019. And... Um, and then uh, I, I recorded a, a subsequently a solo piano album called Concert for One uh, in April 2020 when we were under the hard lockdown. And obviously then I was stuck at home and uh, with a bit of time on my hands, I kind of uh, put the solo piano recording where I was really kind of uh, trying to make sense of what was happening because it was just such a shock to the system. Mm. You know, this idea of kind of... Uh, Having to stay at home and uh, and kind of cut off from uh, from the rest of society. I mean, that seems like such an unnatural thing to have to do. Uh, but I think uh, this kind of need to connect is something that's innately human. And uh, like I say, it's an opportunity then to connect to oneself. And for me, that means uh, composing and playing music. Uh, that's how I kind of make sense of the world. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was a different album. But Blessings and Blues was recorded in 2019, which is when I turned 50. And um, and that was a year of great celebration and also a year in which I composed a lot of music, uh, reflecting on my life and all of the experiences that I've had, uh, but also just in terms of uh, you know dreams for the future. But I could never have imagined a COVID future. So mm-hmm. uh, 2019 was very much a year of blessings and it turned out that 2020 was very much a year of the COVID blues. Uh, so even though the album was recorded before COVID, I don't think it would have been titled Blessings and Blues if it wasn't for COVID. Uh, so in a way, the album has this kind of uh, duality about it. Mm. Uh, the album was recorded in 2019, but there was still some work on it that happened in 20. So I think there is a certain kind of shadow uh, that one can feel in the music as well. 
So, I mean, as you were turning 50 and having your own milestone, I mean, as the world, literally, we were also having our own milestone and things being turned, you know, upside down, so to speak, and recentering and refocusing and all of that. And us just having to, you know, look at how things are going and where we need to go from there. Yeah, you know, the th- I think the thing is uh, we are so connected to our environment, but sometimes we kind of lose an awareness of that connection. Um, and I mean, personally, I feel as if this thing that we're going through is almost an opportunity to kind of pause and uh, and take take note of our footprint, uh, especially on the planet and how we how we deal with the resources, which are not infinite. Um, so, you know, and, and I think the same thing applies to us as well uh, in terms of taking care of ourselves, being more connected to ourselves, uh, like I say, it's a period for us to regenerate and uh, also to, I guess, you know, look at ourselves uh, like a certain kind of spiritual journey. And like you said, this weekend, this long weekend, <laughs> I suppose uh, with the with the kind of uh, blo- lockdowns on the liquor stores, you know, people are maybe concerned about that spiritual journey. But mm-hmm. obviously, the the long weekend is is about another spiritual journey as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, how does this feed into the art world? I mean, because you are in the space of arts, and and when we talk about we needed to pause with COVID nineteen and the challenges that it came with, and you know the the resources that needed to to realign and just looking at things differently. These you know thoughts that you have, how how do you think they feed into the arts space, which was also very much impacted by COVID nineteen? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the art space is. Is such a kind of um, you know we think of it as, uh, as simply the the creation of things that are that are beautiful or vibrant and so on. But these uh, the arts obviously reflect what's going on, and uh, and what has been going on for a long time. Uh, you know, lots of kinds of uh, I guess conflict and and dissonance. You know, the issues around uh, around fees must fall. You know, around the de- uh, decolonization and so on, uh, corruption—all of these things have been going on for a long time. And I think COVID, in a way, just intensifies all of those experiences. Uh, I mean, the issues that artists have been facing now, in terms of you know the relief funds not coming through and so on—all of those are still symptomatic of something that's been going on for a long time. Uh, the thing is that what artists do is that they reflect what is going on in society. And, uh, and often, um, you know, the things, that, the stories that they are telling are not necessarily uh, convenient. So, so it is a voice, an important voice, and it's also a critical voice. Mm. Um, uh, you know, for, for me, I mean, I, I teach at the university in a music department. So this is a very vibrant space, and it's, um, you know, I'm dealing with students who are, who are unhappy with systems that are antiquated and just, just don't work for them anymore. Uh, and, and as a teacher, I mean, I, I, I have the exact same experience. So all of these kinds of things feed into my mm. music. So as I say, it's a, it's a music coming out of a celebratory year, but at the same time, there's so much other stuff uh, that is not really celebratory. The thing about us as South Africans um, is that, that we are dancers. Mm. Uh, you know, whether we are protesting, whether we are unhappy, uh, whether we are happy and 
whatever we are doing, we are loud and we are dancing. <clears throat> and so for me, this is kind of the, the spirit of the music that's in the album. All it's, right. It's, yeah. Let's take a short break. We'll continue with our conversation. Neil Gonsalves, South African jazz uh, and also world uh, beat pianist, composer, a band leader, talking to us here. Hashtag SAFM Sound Awake. Continuing our chat with Neil Gonsalves, a South African jazz pianist, composer, band leader, and uh, educator. So let's talk about the the album, then Blessings and Blues, uh, just specifically now in terms of the you know individuals that you decided to work with. Uh, bassist uh, Ido Nanja and the young drum virtuoso Riley Jandari. What uh, was it about these two that you, you you needed to work with on this one, on on this bless, blessings and blues? Uh, well, you know, these are two young musicians that I'm uh, quite uh, uh, well uh, informed about because uh, they were former students of mine, and uh, and I mean they are both the most. Uh, talented individuals you, uh, you could imagine um, they also are both uh, composers and um, and we actually used to have a trio together in 2016 uh, where we you know rehearsed every week and uh, and I always felt as if we had a special kind of uh, chemistry mm. um, so we did more rehearsals than gigs at that time and then, and then it was that Ildo had to head off to the Netherlands to take on uh, postgraduate studies. He went to do a master's degree there. Um, and uh, and then he, we kind of stayed in touch. And in 2019, towards the end of 2019, he let me know that he was coming to town, uh, kind of en route to Maputo for his brother's uh, wedding. And so I uh, had been, like I say, composing a lot of music. So I jumped on the opportunity and got him in. We had a rehearsal. Uh, he went off to Maputo, came back, did one more rehearsal, and then went in and recorded uh, and recorded this music. Uh, and the thing that I love playing with these guys is that, uh, you know, they bring a compositional sense to the music, but they also just so free in their playing, and they always happy to they always happy for musical adventures. You know, the playing doesn't always go to plan or exactly where you intended, mm-hmm. uh, but it's always an adventure and fun playing with them. And I mean, as an educator earlier, you were, you know, expressing some of the challenges that your students are facing. And we were talking about the arts space and the challenges in there and how they are affected and how you also, I mean, get affected by all of that. But you obviously have had proud moments when it comes to your students. Like you say, you would even work with some of them in the case of Ildo and Riley. So what have some of those other, you know, moments where you felt like, damn, I've done a great job as a teacher, the proud moments? Um, well, you know, I've been a teacher for a long time now. Um, I always uh, feel like, uh, you know, my students' uh, uh, accolades and what they achieve uh, are as a result of their own hard work. I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, you know, the art space is very difficult. People, are, people have great and grand dreams, uh, but to realize those dreams uh, is, is very difficult. Uh, and sometimes there's an element of luck uh, involved as well. Uh, but, you know, to for me to be um, kind of involved often at the beginning uh, of, of, of someone's journey, uh, you know, to just kind of provide support uh, and uh, some sense of, uh, you know, support for the belief and for the dream. Because, you know, when you look at the, you look at the industry, especially now, 
uh, you know, it's just so difficult to you know, figure out how it is that you're going to to make this thing work. I mean, kind of mm. entrepreneurial skills are obviously central to this. And and the thing is that it changes all the time. You know, so I've been teaching, you know, for almost 30 years now. And the game is completely different from what it was all those years ago. Even for me now, releasing an album, I'm having to learn, you know, so many new things compared to the last album that I did. Uh, but, you know, when I look at my students and their achievements, for me, the main thing is, uh, the thing that makes me proudest is if someone can can have a career in music mm. uh, because that's a uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. So if someone's been able to do that, uh, then, uh, then that's the thing that uh, that makes me the proudest. And luckily, I mean, I've I've had uh, quite a few students that have that have been very successful. And your first time at the National Arts Festival in Grahamstown, which, I mean, sadly couldn't happen because of COVID. Uh, but the first time that you were there, you were working with Indo-Fusion outfit Mosaic all the way back in those years ago. What has been the one thing that you've missed mostly about the National Arts Festival since it, it couldn't take place? Well, I mean, the, the, the National Arts Festival has been... Yeah, I guess it did take place, but it took place in a, in, a, yes. in a digital, yeah, digital space. And um, and actually, uh, I did uh, I did uh, take part in that uh, in the festival digitally. Um, we went up to here in Durban. We went up to Hilton College to do our recordings. And you know, it's a different experience, uh, kind of recording in a theater just with a crew, no audience. Um, you think about Grahamstown and. Uh, you know, it's such a vibrant uh, little town, well, Makanda now. Mm. And, um, and you know, the freezing cold, <laughs> there's all, you know, just having to get there sometimes can be quite a mission. Oh, I know, and, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, it's such an interesting collection of people, you know, not, not just the artists, but the arts people, you know, people that, that make that journey. It's almost like some kind of pilgrimage. And it's a celebration of, uh, of ourselves and... Uh, and you can really feel that connection and just that vibe. You know, it's quite, it's quite a unique experience. So even though, you know, we try and do the best we can uh, digitally, there is this kind of remote sense. And that lack, lack of co- uh, connection is something that we definitely miss. Mm. So we'll yeah. play one of your offerings and then we'll take a short uh, break and continue with our chat. So this is The Musician's Wedding. Uh, and then we'll talk about it after the, the advert in terms of the inspiration behind this. German Excellency SFM playing the music you want to hear
the Musicians' Wedding uh, by Neil Consalves, who's joining us uh, on uh, SFM right now, talking about his journey, I guess, in uh, the world of music and just uh, arts in general. So I, I don't know if you composed this one, Neil, but I know in the album uh, Blessings and Blues, all the 12 songs you composed. But tell us about the inspiration behind The Musicians' Wedding. Um, the Musicians' Wedding yeah, is composed by me and... Uh you know, as musicians, we spend a uh, part of what we do is playing, you know, for people's weddings. Uh, but uh, uh, I've always, I always find it interesting to attend musicians' own weddings uh, because there's always this kind of ritual where, uh, at some point in the in the evening, you're going to see the bride uh, sitting by herself and the musician having left because previous to the when they set up for the function, there's a stage and instruments. And then the, the, the musician basically uh, leaves her on a lonesome to go and jam with the rest of the band. And in a way, it's kind of a preview of, uh, of, of life in the future. Mm. Um, but, uh, and so there's always this kind of, um, sometimes a pull uh, between the instrument uh, and, and your wife, and which is which is the most important. Uh, it kind of makes for, an, just a, it's just an interesting picture. Yeah. Um, and uh, f- I had attended a, a bass player friend's uh, wedding uh, in 2019, and I saw this kind of dynamic, uh, also just in terms of the speeches at the wedding, uh, where the bride, bride's representative was basically saying, well, uh, the, the bass player would now have to lay his instrument down because he had new priorities. And then the groom's representative came on to say, well, the bass player is actually a very important South African musician, and his role in society and community is very important. So actually, he should not be laying his instrument down. And so I just thought that was quite an interesting uh, dynamic, and so that's basically what inspired the tune. Well, ketila ketila to the bride if they marry to a musician. That's what we say in the Nguni language. But basically, you've chosen, and that's your person for life. I guess everyone has their person anyway. Yes. I mean, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, one of the highlights for you being a teacher in this industry that, uh, you know, when you see that or when you are able to contribute to someone having a career in music and being able to make money off of it, it's, it's one of the highlights for you. If we go back to the time that you were in the University of Natal doing your formal jazz training there, what were some of the challenges uh, in, in having to convince people, uh, maybe even your family, that this was a career that was viable? Yeah, that's a great question because, uh, because at the time that I was studying, uh, well, before studying music, I was... Um, you know, I'd grown up uh, in school playing music, um, but uh, when I got to, I think, Standard 9 or Matric, I stopped playing music because I had to give more time to my studies. Um, and, then, um, and then I went to study computer science because the idea of studying music and becoming a musician was just not, you know, it was completely implausible. And uh, and then it turned out that I was a terrible computer science student, <laughs> and so I just I, I failed it in everything that one could fail. And then I remember having this conversation with my dad sitting in the car, and he was like, "Well, what are you going to do now?" And uh, and then I was like, "Well, I guess there's just there's the music department." <laughs> and and then and then luckily we had a family friend uh, that uh, that was also an artist actually, and he he uh, convinced uh, my parents that this was something. You know that I should follow my passion, basically, 
And it was only actually when I got to university and was surrounded with the, with the other students, and at that time the, the jazz program at the University of Natalis was then, was uh, most of the students were actually already musicians. Um, you know, musicians like uh, Johnny Mekwa and Faya Faku and Zim Nawana, Alex Fuchani. Uh, these guys were basically professional musicians who had come, come to get a qualification, you know, a piece of paper. And only at that time did it become a real thing. And luckily for me, um, there was a pianist, uh, Melvin Peters, uh, who was also uh, basically coming from a family of educators, similar kind of background for myself, also coming and you know, having grown up in church and all of these things, mm-hmm. where, where being a musician was not really an option. And he was someone that had been studying classical piano, but then made the switch to jazz. And because uh, he kind of opened the door in a way and kind of made it more, more possible, you know, the idea. But even then, I think the idea was still that, that I was studying music to, to become a music teacher as mm. opposed to a musician. And, I mean, kind of interestingly, that's kind of how it's panned out uh, that I do both of these things. Uh, but at that time, when I was a student studying jazz, it was very much my intention that I was going to be a professional uh, jazz musician. Mm. Uh, but, that, but that's kind of uh, maybe a more real thing now uh, than it was then. Well, I think it was a blessing that it worked out that way, that you do both, because we need, you know, the, the intellect and the knowledge and also just the passion you have to, you know, pass forward to the next generation of musicians. I, I think it's a blessing. We need, we need the gems like you in the arts. Um, and, and talking about that, I mean, the lessons when it comes to composing music that one can apply to life, because it's not just the creative, you know, there's maths to it, there's a perception to it and all of that. What would you say are those lessons that one can take from the study of music, specifically composing, into life? You sound like an artist yourself. <laughs> like, well, if radio doesn't work out, then I'll give you a call, Neil. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, like you say, I mean, uh, uh, music and the arts is, uh, has all of these different kind of elements to it. Uh, so there is a scientific side. Uh, there is a mathematical side. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that uh, students that come in, you know, talented Young musicians that come in to study underestimate. Uh, so, you know, often they have the idea that they're going to be on a big stage, you know, making a kind of bling lifestyle. Mm. But actually, if you choose to come to study music, then, uh, then you're taking on uh, something where you now have to learn music theory. And you have to learn music as an abstract thing, uh, something that's not necessarily only linked uh, to talent, but like you say, also to intellect. Mm-hmm. and also to mathematical and scientific study. Um, but, you know, the thing is, um, <clears throat> it's kind of like when you drive a car. You don't need to know how, the, how to fix your, the engine in your car to drive the car. Uh, and in the same way, if you're a musician, uh, if you make uh, fantastic, beautiful music, the audience doesn't really want to know all of the kind of scientific stuff that's involved in the music. Mm. Uh, ultimately... You know, they call it the heart sciences. It's actually the story. It's the narrative that's in the music because that's what people connect to. Uh, so you must have something to say uh, as an artist. Uh, and you, again, like I said at the beginning, you must connect to yourself, 
to your own story, to your own community, the place that you come from, you know, what your aspirations are, because, you know, we, we share a, co- a common humanity as, as a people, and of, often this is something that's neglected. Mm. We fo- focus on the things that make us different, uh, when actually we have so much more in common, and I think that's one of the places in which the arts can be so powerful, is to actually re- remind people of that, uh, you know, of this, this commonness that we share. Um, so, so uh, as a musician, like I say, you've you've got to mold all of these different things, you know, and and bring it in. You know, have a certain kind of creative flow, and that's an individual thing. You know, you find that out for yourself. Mm. Uh, but again, that's uh, again to do with connecting to yourself. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. I wish we could go on because I'm honored to uh, be chatting to you. Thank you so much for blessing us with all your talents. And, uh, you know, we need to give you your flowers while you are still here with us, uh, Neil. And, of course, you are going to be with us for another 50 years. uh, So you're still going to be uh, given those flowers. Thanks again for your time. Oh, thank you so much, Asanda. And your, your, your music is available on all digital platforms, right? Yes, it's actually the album is actually to be re- released on Tuesday, the sixth. So then it'll be uh, available on all the platforms. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, and uh, all the best for the Easter weekend. Thanks very much to you too. Thanks, Neil Gonsalves, uh, South African jazz, also world beat pianist, composer, band leader, and educator. He's also director for the Center for Jazz and Popular Music. We didn't even get to that. That's at the uh, University of KZN. What an honor. So we'll play you some more music before we get into our next chat. Also uh, in the entertainment industry, a musician.